0: Asthma Life or better to say The Simple Life. No, it's not The Simple Life that you know of, uh, but it's a bit different. This is a bonus episode that I'm doing in English with a friend of mine and a person in the fitness field that I really admire because he's a young guy that is really successful in what he's doing and I just want you to listen to him and see what you can do better in order to succeed as a fitness coach, personal trainer, or anything that you're doing in the fitness field right now. Dr. Brad Dieter is the one that I have talked to about various different things and you should really listen to him and pay attention. So welcome to this bonus episode and uh, thank you for listening. So we have a special guest today with us. Uh, His name should, you know, just sound some alarms. (laughs) Uh, It's Brad Dieter. He's uh, one of those that I'm looking up to um, in the scientific field of nutrition and personal training as such. Um, He runs a couple of projects. I I can't even follow it. I mean, it's from stock markets. It's from nutrition. I see see very good cars in your profile as well. So what is going on right now, Fred?
1: Yeah, um, man, I guess first introductions, I think you and I met almost two years ago to the day uh, in Vienna. Um, Spent a a full weekend together, which was a ton of fun and kind of been in touch ever since. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about me and my background. Uh, I came from kind of the formal scientific academic world, Um, did a master's, did a PhD, did a postdoc. I was a faculty scientist in kind of uh, biomedical medicine, uh, which was a ton of fun. I learned a lot and then kind of used a lot of that knowledge and skills and training to kind of branch, um, you know, more into the industry side. Um, so I've been involved in kind of nutrition coaching, uh, gosh, probably for over 10 years. Um, so I started that when I was kind of fresh out of my undergraduate and kind of coach people through graduate school, um, built, uh, one company, one nutrition training company, um, and then kind of used my experience there to start another one. Um, and so now I've, I've got a, a nutrition and personal training online company. Uh, we have, gosh, probably about 60 employees now. Um, so we've got quite a few people, uh, which has been a ton of fun. I've learned a lot along the way, everywhere from you know, actually how to coach people online, to how to manage teams, to how to build business systems. Uh, I'm in the biotech space as well. I do R and D um, for a couple of biotech companies, and uh, have a couple of small businesses here locally. One of them is a car shop, which is kind of a, a passion project of mine. Um, kind of a, just a good way to have fun cars and not have it cost you any money, which is kind of the way to do things in life. And <laughs> yeah. that's it. So yeah, I've had a pretty wild ride over the last ten years, and uh, this year's definitely been an interesting one in terms of. Just navigating the world and, and learning a lot along the way and yeah so it's it's been pretty interesting this year and that's a little bit of my background but I'm sure we can kind of chat about whatever kind of question specifics you guys have sure
0: sure so uh, what what I know it's it it has grown immensely in the past two years isn't it I mean it's, yeah. it's six, sixteen points right now it's it's amazing
1: yeah so we uh, we started we started the year with I think. 21 people um and so i think we've added almost 40 people to our team this year it's been been pretty wild so uh some some definite growing pains there of you know tripling in size and trying Mm -hmm. to train people and handling big influxes of clients and stuff like that so it's it's been interesting that's that's for sure what
0: i what i wanted to ask you about you recently shared a story on your profile about how you got where you are today and I know that from from the business perspective, a lot of people don't get it. You know w- what means real investment uh, not not only not only in money, but time and effort. So could could you share the story with us? What what I mean? It it was amazing. I, I have to say I didn't know that, and yeah, uh, it, I was impressed. To be fair, so um, just just tell us a bit about it.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, maybe I'll start a little bit of color commentary. You know, I think a lot of people always see where you are, um, and never really see kind of how you got to where you are. So, you know, rewind probably, oh gosh, let's say a little over a decade. Um, I had just finished my undergraduate degree. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to medical school or not. Um, I had a rough, probably 12 to 18 months in undergrad. Um, I got pretty sick one semester uh, and it really kind of tanked my GPA. Like I missed probably seven, eight weeks of school, like on my deathbed, almost kind of in and out of the hospital sick. Um, so that kind of like derailed some of the academic side and kind of set me back. Um, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to medical school. Um, so I took a job working in kind of the, the pharmaceutical space, kind of being a sales rep, um, and a service rep for one of the big orthopedic companies here in the U S. And I got a job where I essentially worked I mean, long story short, I probably worked from 3.30 or 4 in the morning till about 1am every night, um, probably six, seven days a week for about a year. Um, and just was kind of didn't really see any light at the end of the tunnel, um, was super burnout. Like I was probably sleeping 10 hours a week um, and just really like didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And it was pretty like pretty just down in the dumps. Um, you know, you kind of work a dead end job, not making any money. You have no quality of life. You have no sleep. You're just like your mental health deteriorating. Um, and so I ended up moving back home with my parents and applying to graduate school. Um, at the time, I kind of like, just didn't know what I wanted to do. And and I kind of figured, hey, if I go back to school, at least like I have something to do. Um, And really kind of struggled getting into places. Um, There weren't really a lot of places taking students in the fields I wanted to be in. And after about a year and a half, uh, that was probably about a year of doing a lot of internships. Um, I interned for a lot of places, worked without pay for forever, Um, you know, was lucky enough to live with my parents for a little while. Um, I got accepted into graduate school. And you know, I kind of viewed that as a big opportunity for myself. Um, You know, it was kind of the first time in my life, anybody had kind of opened the door for me um, and kind of just viewed it as like, Hey, this is my, uh, this is my child by fire in life. And I'm going to just see what I can do. So I went into my master's degree. I had no, I'd never read a research paper before. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, You know, I had some science background from the pre-med undergrad, but if, if you guys know that, it's like, you don't really learn that much in undergrad. Um, anyway, so I, I started, um, and really, kind of the, the long story short was, I pretty much dedicated every minute of every day of my life for about a little over three and a half, four years. Um, you know, I'd get up at four in the morning every day, I'd work until probably ten eleven at night. Um, I took a full course load. So I was taking anywhere from 12 to 15 graduate credits at a time. Uh, I had a full like assistantship, research assistantship on top of that. Um, weekends I would travel to one of the nearby universities to, to pick up some extra research work. because um, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to learn that our lab couldn't do. So I'd go volunteer there on the weekend. Um, I, I didn't want to have an extra job to like pay bills. So I just, um, I figured out a way to live really pretty pretty minimally um you know I I slept in an apartment where I didn't heat or I would go stay at our office our our office on campus because they kept the heat at a minimum of 55 degrees on the weekend um you know I would it, it was just a really crazy time in my life where it was like all I did was was go to school and work um for about three three and a half years um ended up graduating got a fellowship uh, and kind of Things took off from there. Um, but it was a pretty wild, just, you know, you look back and those are kind of the times in your life where you actually learn, you learn a lot really quickly um, and you kind of develop a skill set and a mindset of like what it takes to be successful. Uh, and I think those are the lessons that I really, you know, applied to, to kind of starting all, a lot of the companies that I've started, right? Is are you willing to put in an on, uncommon level of effort and service into things to try to make things successful? Um, you know, like, for example, uh, the weekend I came with Vienna was, (laughs) that was pretty funny. So, um, backstory there. So we left to get there. Um, gosh, I think it was like Thursday, my time at probably 7am, um, and flew like 30 hours of travel, got there. We got to our hotel at like 1am. Um, and then had to be up at like five o'clock to go, you know, speak all day. Um, and so, you know, you just, you end up doing a lot of things like that. You know, you, you do a lot of work for very little money. Um, you end up working way more hours than most people think is reasonable. Um, and then just things start to compound on itself, whether it's, you know, you start to build business systems that end up working, you start to build, um, a reputation for somebody who is professional and can deliver, um, and who actually meets deadlines. Um, you develop a lot of great relationships with people, um, and, and, you know, those are the things that actually kind of help you build your career. Uh, there, there's been a lot of, you know, like marketing programs and online certifications and things like that. And a lot of those can teach you some like good technical skills, um, but there's really no substitution for putting in like an uncommon level of effort um, and building just like a skill set and a mindset of being able to. To push through a lot of those things to actually get to where you want to be
0: yeah I, I totally get that I mean looking at the situation in 2020 I believe that most of us will have to adapt in a different way and it's and just push through it's it's not it's honestly the hardest time that I've faced in business until now and I've been in business for 20 years or now and I mean yeah. it, it's really tough because you are not allowed to work. So the only thing that allows you to take care of yourself, you're not allowed to do. Yeah. And, and you have to cope with that somehow, and it's not so easy. On the other hand, I see, especially in, in such a crazy time, which, which we have right now, it's, I mean, the fitness industry at such gave me so many, so many people around the world that I can talk to and, and share opinions with and everything, and that, that would try to help each other out somehow. It's amazing to see how this is working out. How, how did you experience this? I mean, y- you've know you know a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what's It's it's very interesting, and and I think our industry is a really great like microcosm of, of what's going on across the world, right? Is um, if you look at you know our industry, there is there's the full spectrum of professionals, right? There's people who run, you know, small individual personal training studios. Um, like a good friend of mine, uh, Chad Landers, he's owned a gym in like in LA, like Hollywood, um, for 20 years and been very successful. Right. And it's just been like him and all of his clients in a very private studio. Um, and you know, they're shut down. Like they, they can't do anything. He can't really train people. It's like, there's nothing he can do. Um, then there's, you know, you know, the, a lot of the big online companies um, for them this year has been great because everybody's had to move to online. Uh, then there's the huge changes like um, you know LA Fitness or places like that where it's like they've got massive franchises and they have huge amounts of overhead all over the country and memberships are being canceled and you know so it's it's really we've seen the full spectrum of everything um, and I think what's what's been difficult is. People have to transition very quickly um, into markets and models that they just have not developed the skill sets for. And I think that's been the big challenge for a lot of people is, you know, A, should I pivot? B, how do I pivot? Um, And then what do I do with, you know, the rest of my life that's outside of my professional life? I, I don't think we've given a lot of, you know, kind of thought for a lot of people's, you know personal lives as well that are affected by this um you know people who've owned successful businesses for 20 years who now it's like hey i could lose my whole life like my whole life my livelihood all of that um and i think there's a lot of personal stuff that comes with that as well that we just don't really think about you know that people also have to figure out how to take care of
0: yeah yeah it's i mean the the big problem that we're facing in slovenia right now is uh homeschooling or online schooling which no one was prepared for so you have to do your work from home with both children at home and you know a little toddler that is just toddling around all day and screaming and crying and everything and you have to be focused on the work as well so it's it's a psychological stress which we weren't prepared for and and a lot of our clients weren't prepared for so this was a this was a huge problem but you, you were starting your company online, right? Yeah. So this should, that, that was the reason that you had to, uh, you know, get 40 employees uh, yeah. altogether. So it's, it's a good year for you business-wise in some way.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of challenges with this year, um, but there's also been, you know, for us in, in some aspects, it's been, it's been good, right? We were kind of prepared for a a transition to online. Um, you know, so, so that has been, been beneficial in many ways, right? It's like, okay, if people can't go to their gym and they need online personal trainers, if they can go somewhere where there's, you know, a developed program that's already successful, that's great, right? People can just kind of walk into something that that's prepared. Um, so in that aspect, you know, that has been super beneficial, right? Is we were kind of prepared for the online transition. Uh, The only, the only opposite side of that is there's, there's probably never going to be a replacement for like working with people in person, Um, you know? So how do we transition? How do we handle this kind of weird period where gyms are closed, where you have to develop some sort of online model to work with people? and yeah, so that's been, that has been interesting. I, I've got a couple people, good friends of mine locally who own gyms and, and, you know, trying to help them figure out, like, hey, how do we transition to an online model for the next six months where I can retain most of my members? And then when we open back up, they'll come back in. Um, and that's, that's a tough challenge.
0: It is, it is. We face the same thing. So what, what we've noticed is, so during, we've closed on uh, mid-March, and yeah. we could start to work uh, beginning June, so we had almost three months of, of closure. That you know we have to somehow transition into it. The problem, are, the problem that we faced was in the first month, most of our clients were training online with us. This is good, but the second thing is what they're facing at home. They don't have the the needed equipment. So, you know. There's so, only so much fun that you can take with online trainings and jumping around in front of your, in front of your television at home. You <laughs> yep. know? And, and after the second month, no one wants to do it anymore. They just were waiting to, to open up again and then, so that they could join the gym again. And they did. All of them came back, which is a good thing. And this is the personal, the personal segment that we're building up in our gym. So we have a, a closed personal training-only gym here, which is quite big. It's a, a bit over 8,000 square feet altogether. Um, yeah. So, we're, you know, the costs and the overheads are, are, are immense. But still, yeah. so they came back and they were happy to train with us. So everything was going well. And then the second lockdown in the mid of October. Uh, damn, what to do now? No, one's, no one wants to train online anymore. I mean, yeah. we have the programs, we have everything in place. But I said, look, I just don't want to jump around in front of my computer or, or my TV anymore. It's, it's just not fun. So, what? What? The thing that I figured out is a good online model was somehow based on on the open gyms as well, so they could yeah. get, get somewhere and train. The, the second thing is nutrition coaching, which could be done right now, pretty much online, and it doesn't affect anything. What yeah. what was your model? What what did you build differently that it's turned
1: out like like something good? Yeah, you know I think we started with nutrition coaching online. Um, that was kind of what we started with. So we built a, you know, we built a subscriber base. Um, we built a recurring revenue model based on that. Um, we had contracts in place. And then we laid on top of that kind of the online personal training piece. Um, you know, part of it is like, we, we just started with the idea of like, Hey, if there's anything we can do in this space, that's probably better online than in person, it's nutrition coaching. Um, so that's what we started with. Then mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, we can get some of these clients to be online training coaching. Right. Um, so we have, about 25% of our membership base has nutrition and online training, and about 75 is just nutrition. Um, so, so that's a big piece of it. Is just kind of realizing our core audience is nutrition coaching, um, and then you know, upselling services is one of those things you can do online. Um, you know, one of the other things that I learned in in early workings of kind of the business field is. Based on the kind of seasonality of the work that we do, right? Like we all know that there's there's busy seasons and there's slow seasons. Like every year, it's pretty predictable. We know that there's weeks and months where you know new client signups are low and cancellations are high, right? It's like it's always right around the holidays. It's always like you know late spring. Like we always just know that these things occur. Um, and so, one, can you project those? Um, and then, B, can you set up contracts and recurring revenue to try to flatten out your income stream over a year, right? Um, And kind of protect yourself against like, hey, everything just went from, you know, 100% to 30% of revenue in a month. Um, So how can you set things up like that? Those are the two big things that we did from kind of our initial business model to try to help sustain, you know, the ups and downs of of a given year and, um, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, The other reasons that we we did that is one of the hard parts about being an online only company is you are very affected by the whims of the people running social media right Mm -hmm. search algorithms change all the time ad algorithms change all the time cost per click of advertising changes all the time um so you know i've been through probably two or three big transitions where the the advertising and search algorithms change. And you can go from getting huge amounts of exposure for pennies on the dollar overnight using an ad system you've built over six to nine months to zero very quickly, right? And so you have to be able to to sustain like, okay, well, I'm gonna have 50% as many signups this month because I have to figure out the new new game that the ad companies are playing. Um, So we kind of also tried to build some level of like recurring revenue to address those pieces. Um, great example, the US election, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, our ad costs tripled the four weeks leading up to the election because there was billions of dollars being spent on social media ads by the presidential campaigns. And it's like, well, we can't, we can't compete with that. So it's like, we just know that our advertising will be far less effective for the four to six weeks around an election. So how do we how do we address those types of things? So there's there are some interesting things about being online that we don't really consider.
0: Mm-hmm. The next thing you you're specialized in which field of nutrition exactly, or what is yeah. it? Nutrition as such.
1: Yeah. So we primarily focus on like general population weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really do fitness competitors. We don't really do like sports nutrition. It's really like general population, weight loss clients.
0: Good. That's the main field for us anyway.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of fish in the pool. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I always tell a lot of people, and I think almost every person who goes into this industry, we all start with like, Hey, I want to work with professional athletes. Uh, And then we all end up like, Hey, I'm working with general population, weight loss clients. I think that's 90% of us, our journeys is like, Hey, here's what I want to do. And then here's what I end up doing. Um, And so, you know, I tell people like if they wanna get started in this field is there's kind of two ways to go about your career. There's, this is what I want to do. And I will will die before I change what I wanna do. Um, Or there's the like, what I really wanna do is I wanna build a career in the field I love and make a decent living doing it, right? Um, yep. and I always tell people like, what do you really care about at the end of the day? Um, and then try to reverse engineer your career like that. Like if I could, if I could do it all over again, there's a lot of things that I would change and tr- like lessons I would learn much faster, um, and skills I would build much sooner. Um, but yeah, so we, we primarily focus on who is the large core demographic of w- what we need, right? It's probably, uh, late twenties to Late forties people who just need to lose weight, right? And they want to be healthier people, and that's really the vast majority of the clients that most of us are going to see in our career.
0: True, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work uh, to have worked with Olympians and everything, so I, I still work with uh, elite level athletes, which is fun. You know, it, it, this is the this is the field when you can. Um, really use all the knowledge that we've gathered through the years yeah. and experience and put it in place but still I mean those that really need our help and and our knowledge in regards to weight loss and better a better quality of life as such those are the general populace that, that we're dealing with so the general population yeah. is definitely it and I believe that business wise for a personal trainer it should be the main focus too because those are the people that are paying well because they care for themselves
1: yeah yeah and i think you know the other the other piece is like that's your largest pool of people like if you look at any given population um like i'll just take the us for example we have 200 plus million people in the united states who like need weight loss like just objectively to live a better, healthier life, like they need weight loss, right? So that means
0: yeah.
1: you have 200 million potential clients. Now of those, some people don't care, but let's just round that to, you've got 150 million potential clients in the US. Like that's crazy. What other, what other market in the world do you have that big of an audience, right? That like, you know, absolutely needs the skills that you have. Right. Not everybody needs a flat screen TV. Um, but everybody really does need some form of, of health coaching, weight loss coaching, personal training, etc. Um So that's a big kind of eye opener when you think about that. It's like, okay, I have a huge market that I can go after. Um, and then the question just becomes of how do I develop the skills to go acquire a hundred of that hundred and fifty million people? That's really when you kind of think about it that way, that's not a very daunting task. Mm
0: -hmm. True. Um, Another question. So if I recall it well, we talked in Vienna, just briefly about vaccinations and GMOs as well. So this this was some kind of of your field um, during your study, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I spent, uh, man, 12 years of my career in kind of formal academic science, um, doing a lot of, a lot of molecular biology, immunology, um, drug development, that kind of stuff. Um, so I've got a pretty big background in that and, you know, a big passion of mine, my whole career. And I continue to do this day. is kind of like trying to bring science to people, right. Whether it's through writing, whether it's through speaking, um, and trying to, kind of take a lot of what the actual science says and kind of translate that to the public. Um, so have done a lot of education on GMOs, vaccines, nutrition science, um, gosh, just biomedical science in general, drug development, kind of all the things that we all talk about, but very few people actually have like intimate hands-on knowledge of, um, case in point, Currently, right, we're we're undergoing vaccine trials for for COVID, right? How many people know how these trials actually work? Um, all the testing that we do, right? Like, do people even have any idea how these tests are developed? Um, like, I spent several years of my life developing antibody tests and PCR tests for for screening proteins and viruses and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, spent a lot of time just kind of educating people on that stuff too. So what
0: I have to ask this because of the situation. So what is your opinion <laughs> <laughs> on the on the on the COVID nineteen vaccine? So we've we've seen that uh, Pfizer uh, has developed something with the German company BioNTech, uh, yeah. which should be pretty effective. Uh, we have a vaccine from another company, or was it the same with ninety five percent?
1: yeah I think it was like 90 95 percent something like that yeah so what what is
0: your opinion on this is it safe developed in let's say seven months and is it is it tested properly I mean I really because' I'm, I'm not a I'm not a specialist in this in this field but you know a lot of this stuff so what do you say about it
1: you know there's there's a lot of moving pieces to it um, and I don't have all the answers but kind of here's my here's my thoughts on it um, you know, one is we still don't fully understand how the actual virus works, right? Like in the body, we don't have a, we don't have a full picture of it. We, we know pretty well, but we don't have a full picture. Um, So I think there's, there's some uh, uncertainty around like how to develop a super effective vaccine from that perspective. On the other side, we have a lot of just like high throughput genomic tools. We have a ton of resources at hand for rapidly developing vaccines like we do around the world we have labs that that's literally what they do um and they're very good at it and that's why i'm not surprised we're seeing early stage vaccines already right we're really maybe six months into development of these things like actual development and i'm not surprised we're seeing ones that are effective right or mostly effective Um, The FDA has very good protocols in place for like screening initial safety, initial efficacy, go to market. Um, They do have pipelines for like rapidly putting things through with a little less stringency. I'm not super concerned about those pieces. Um, The things that I have the biggest like uncertainties around from my own perspective is one, long-term safety of the vaccines. We we know short-term safety seems to be pretty good. Long-term, we just don't know and we won't know. We can't speed up time, right? It's like, it's probably gonna take five to 10 years before we know what the long-term safety is. Mm-hmm. I don't have huge concerns over the safety of the vaccines. Um, there there may be some long-term side effects. We'll find out. That's not my biggest concern. Um, th- the bigger things is, what is the true efficacy rate of these things? Um, to what does that mean like, Moving forward, right? So let's say we have a vaccine that's 90% effective. So everybody gets it. What does that do to the transmission of a virus out in in the the real world, right? Does it drastically change it? Or if 10% of people are still infected and transmissible, do we have the same thing we see now, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know that answer. We have no idea. Um, We have to run that social experiment and find out. Um, and then the last piece is how's the virus going to mutate? Is it already mutating? That's a good question. Um, so there's a lot of just unanswered questions around what is it going to be? What is it going to look like? How is it going to be distributed? How many people are going to take it? Um, so there's just a lot of unanswered questions. A lot of the data seems at least like we're moving in the right direction. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think there's a lot of, a lot of positive signs. There's just a lot of unanswered questions that we, we don't know. And I think the hard part that a lot of us don't realize is there's questions we can't answer until we do it. Right. Um, we, maybe we have to have a massive rollout of a semi-effective vaccine to see what happens. It's kind of one of those things where we, we don't have the luxury of, you know, testing it in 30 people and seeing how it works for 10 years. It's like, Okay, we have to find something that's got an acceptable safety profile and an acceptable efficacy profile. Roll it out, and then improve it over time as we learn more. Just like the flu vaccines every year.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. What would be some? So, what would be your thoughts on on being a personal trainer and getting better in what we do for for so for our guys here? So, what yeah. do, what would you suggest? So, is it really that important to know how to read research?
1: Um, No, I would say not really. Um, When I think about like somebody building a career in the space, there's really a few things that I think people should spend most of their time developing. Um, One is just learning to be a professional, right? I think if I had to boil down the biggest missteps in most coaches careers from people that I've worked with, to people I've employed um, to people I've looked up to and seen their careers kind of, you know, fizzle out is be a professional. Right. And that means like conduct yourself in a professional manner when you're in public, right. Um, Build a reputation you're proud of, be professional in your communication to clients. Um, You know, build that just professional nature like you are the ceo of your own company right um treat yourself as such right like act like that's who you are i'd say that's one of the best things that people can do um you know the more professional you are the more you attract people to you then it's you know learning to sell yourself and communicate with your clients right i think that's a big skill that a lot of us just don't spend time practicing, right? Is how do I communicate with people? How do I have a video call with someone and, you know, connect with them, get their story, be empathetic, listen, convince them that I'm the person they need to work with. Um, learn how to s- sell yourself. That's a big part of that. You know, learn the skills of how to run a business. You know, how do you do bookkeeping? How do you do projections? How do you manage money? How do you you know, handle taxes. How do you do all those things? Because those things are actually what kind of keep the lights on and, you know, keep you moving forward um, and set you up for long term success. Uh, and then, probably on the list is like just making sure that you've developed like a good baseline set of skills to actually deliver a good product, right? I think, I think a lot of times we spend, an exorbitant amount of time trying to get every little tiny piece of knowledge and skill and and like advantage to getting our clients results. Um, And you'll learn those over a 20, 30 year career, right? Don't spend all of your first two years getting every single certification you can, reading every book you can. Um, You can build those skills over a career, right? And getting enough skills initially to actually help people is what you need to do. And then build on those skills over your career, but don't neglect the things that actually build your business, right? Um, like, if I were to ask you, of the challenges in your career in being successful and building a business and building a livelihood and a reputation, how much of that has been in like the very nitty gritty details of how to solve one client's most intricate problem versus like all the other skills that we just kind of covered,
0: yeah yeah right i I mean, I kind of find it fun to go <coughs> seminars uh, do certifications yeah. or something it's it's nice it it has a nice touch to it i I think it's um it's good that you know at least you know somehow how to read a, a research paper or study so you know what's going on and uh can a bit dive into the details and everything, but it comes down to being human first, communication skills, and and to really coach people and drive them through the process. And this is something that comes down most of the times with the general population that it's down to the basics. It's it's not rocket science.
1: Yeah, and I would totally agree with you. Um, And you know, this is coming from somebody who's spent an exorbitant amount of their life, you know, reading research papers and you know, getting every degree that they can, is there is value to it, right? There is a lot of value of like continuing education and going to seminars and, you know, paying to learn more material that, so you can help those people. Um, but don't, I guess my point is don't neglect all the big rocks that you need to put in place just to do that, um, right? Is If you have a limited amount of time in a year, years, like just make sure you're allocating time to the things that really do make you successful um, you know and then all the other things are things that you can you can do and you should do but just don't neglect the things that actually move the needle for you know your life
0: To je bil enostavno life za tokrat. Meni in Fitovarni lahko sledite tudi na Instagramu in Facebooku, da boste vedno up to date. Vesel vaše ocene na iTunes in hvaležen za vsak feedback. Pošljite nam vaše ideje. Za goste, s katerimi naj govorim, Ali teme, ki vas zanimajo. Kadarkoli mi lahko pišete na kom. Hvala za vaš čas in uživajte v življenju, krati ne pozabite na aktivnost in dobro hrano. Čau!